anyone can cook. Saying yes to meritocracy. Were we to evaluate people not only according to their intelligence and education, their occupation and their power, but according to their kindness and courage, imagination and sensitivity, sympathy and generosity, there could be no classes. Michael Young, inventor of the term meritocracy. The critically acclaimed 2007 Pixar film Ratatouille begins by zooming in on a television set broadcasting the image of a spinning globe with an Eiffel Tower sticking out to mark the location of France. A voice with a French accent says, although each of the world's countries would like to dispute this fact, we French know the truth. The best food in the world is made in France. The best food in France is made in Paris. And the best food in Paris, some say, is made by Chef Auguste Gusteau. Chef Gusteau's cookbook, Anyone Can Cook, climbed to the top of the bestseller list. But not everyone celebrates its success. Then a montage of images of Paris and Chef Gusteau cuts to an interview with a skinny bald man identified by the screen caption as Anton Ego, food critic, the grim eater. Ego rebalances the half-moon spectacles on top of his giant nose as he says, Amusing title, anyone can cook. What's even more amusing is that Gusteau actually seems to believe it. I, on the other hand, take cooking seriously. And no, I don't think anyone can do it. He punctuates the statement by tossing the cookbook off-screen. In less than a minute, this opening sequence establishes the central conflict in the film, Gusto's egalitarian, inclusive philosophy versus Ego's elitist, exclusive one. It will come as little surprise that Ego is the villain. Most Americans are deeply invested in the notion that people should be rewarded in proportion to their talent and effort, and that everyone should have the opportunity to succeed. The basic tenets of this ideology, commonly referred to as meritocracy, apply not only to concrete markers of success, such as wealth, but also to symbolic goods, such as status and respect. All four of the ideals of the food revolution are justified ideologically by meritocratic narratives. Appreciating foods that are seen as gourmet, healthy, natural, or ethnic is taken as evidence of being cultured, intelligent, and virtuous. Having good taste is portrayed as an achievement rather than merely an expression of arbitrary preferences or inherited privilege. A counter-narrative portrays expensive or rarefied tastes as potentially snobbish. This is the subject of the next chapter. This chapter focuses on the dominant narrative, how mass media texts portray the idea that aspirational eating is both admirable and accessible to anyone and how audiences respond to these stories. In Twilight of the Elites, Christopher Hayes claims that the moral justification of meritocracy is based on a distinction between contingent and essential features. People are not discriminated against due to contingent, 
inessential features like skin color, religious affiliation, or gender, but rather due to their essential features, their cognitive abilities and self-discipline. The problem, Hayes explains, is that the line between contingent and essential features is blurry. What we call intelligence, along with work habits, diligence, social abilities, and a whole host of other attributes we associate with success, seem to emanate from some alchemical mix, <coughs> alchemical mix of genetics, parental modeling, class status, cultural legacies, socioeconomic peers, and early educational opportunities. If most of these characteristics are a combination of nature and nurture, how do we avoid rewarding people for things they have no control over? The issue of essential versus contingent features is magnified when it comes to haste hierarchies, because all but the most solipsistic aesthetes recognize that taste is at least somewhat subjective. As the opening to Ratatouille acknowledges, people from countries other than France might dispute the fact that French food is the best. Tastes, eating habits, and bodies are profoundly shaped by precisely those contingent factors that meritocracies are not supposed to discriminate against, such as race and ethnicity, socioeconomic background, and gender. Stories about gourmet culture, such as Ratatouille and weight loss narratives, such as The Biggest Loser, reveal how good taste and thinness come to seem meritocratic despite the unevenness of the playing field. In the first, a lowly rat overcomes the limitations of his species to become a gourmet cook who can impress even the most discerning critic. In The Biggest Loser, fat people compete to see who can lose the most weight through diet and exercise with the help of celebrity personal trainers. Although both seem to endorse the logic of meritocracy, they actually reveal contradictions to the idea that anyone can cook or get thin. Instead of being truly egalitarian, Ratatouille constructs a new hierarchy of the palate and suggests that Remy's cooking skill is an extraordinary gift not something just anyone can do. On The Biggest Loser, contestants' bodies sometimes defy the expectation that weight is a transparent reflection of eating right and exercising. However, in both cases, audiences interpret the stories as affirmations of the idea that anyone can become a great chef and anyone can become thin in spite of those contradictions. These examples suggest that faith in meritocracy is not the result of Americans being duped by the media, as some scholars have suggested. For example, in The New Class Society, Robert Perucci and Earl Wysong claim that class inequality is made possible by cultural products that persuade people that the way things work out is fair. It is precisely because of Forrest Gump genre films and other rags-to-riches cultural products that most Americans appear to accept the myth of the American dream. Ratatouille and The Biggest Loser demonstrate how, in some cases, rags-to-riches stories are ambivalent about the relationship between merit and rewards, or even work to challenge the idea that success is available to anyone who works for it.
These success stories may resonate with a large audience precisely because they portray challenges to meritocracy that account for the capriciousness of success. People want to believe that the system of rewards they're invested in are fair, even if their first-hand experiences say otherwise. Viewers actively negotiate with these ambivalent narratives about taste and thinness, often reading against the grain to make the stories mean that they are truly meritocratic.